good evening. You can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 13, where we will be again tonight. And uh, I just want to say well done to whichever small group brought the desserts tonight. Quite the, uh, the spread of things. So uh, chocolate donuts, excellent choice. Pumpkin bread with little chocolate chips and Romanian roll thing. That was awesome. So uh, well done. Whoever's got next week or next time has a, a high bar. So. 1 Corinthians 13. You know, I, I grew up in the uh, late 80s and 90s when there was an emphasis on random acts of kindness. Does anybody remember uh, hearing about random acts of kindness when you were growing up, maybe? So that, that phrase apparently came from a lady named Anne Herbert. Wikipedia records that she wrote uh, a phrase, random acts of of kindness and senseless acts of beauty on a napkin or placemat at a restaurant in 1982. Eventually, she published a book by that title in 1993 and, and led ri- or gave rise to this, this kind of phase or fad of doing random acts of kindness. Wikipedia defines a random act of kindness this way, as a non-premeditated, inconsistent action designed to offer kindness towards the outside world. So a random act of kindness is maybe something like paying for the Starbucks drink of the person behind you or uh, letting someone go ahead of you in the grocery line or sending a note to someone just because. You know, certainly there's nothing wrong with a random act of kindness. But the Bible calls us not to simply periodically do non-premeditated, inconsistent acts of kindness, but to be characterized by kindness, to be intentionally and consistently kind to others. That's what we're going to think about today, the importance of kindness. You know, this is really one of the defining characteristics of believers. You know, you remember that in uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, is the first time believers were called Christians which meant follower of Christ. They were defined by the fact that they followed Jesus. One of the early church fathers, uh, Tertullian, uh, wrote that the kindness of Christians, or or, uh, one writer writing of him says, the kindness of Christians in the second century so surprised their pagan counterparts that according to Tertullian, they called Christians Christiani, which is the Greek word for kindness, those who were mild or kind, rather than Christiani, which is the word for follower of Christ. There's a a play on word from the pagans who looked at Christians, and they said, they're followers of Christ, yes, but what really defines them as standing out among us is the fact that they are kind to others. Kindness is a central Christian virtue and an essential characteristic of biblical love. If you've been with us either of the first two times we met this year, you know that we are working our way through 1 Corinthians 13, studying both the the priority and then the characteristics of love. We started uh, a month ago with the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. Read them with me. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries with all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. 
And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. You see, if we do all the right things as parents and as individuals, if we say all the right things, but we don't have love, it doesn't flow from a a selfless love for Christ and for others, it profits nothing, it amounts to nothing. And so we need to be committed to and cultivating love as an attitude and a fuel for our life and relationships. And we need to understand what love looks like. What does it mean to say, you can say, I love you, but that's, that's not biblical love, just the expression of that with our words. It's demonstrated in how we live. And so Paul in this chapter highlights various characteristics of love. Last time we saw love is patient. It's, it remains tranquil while waiting on the Lord or, or, or on others, and it bears up under provocation without complaint. It's long-suffering. Today we come to the, the truth that follows in verse 4. Love is kind. Love is kind. Let's begin with the definition of kindness. What do we mean when we say love is kind? I think kindness is something that we kind of just inherently understand. You know, it's the kind of of word that is easy to recognize and maybe a little harder to to define. You know, the, the verb that's used here is actually very unique. This is the only time it's used in the New Testament. It's rarely used outside of the Bible. In fact, some think that Paul may have coined this word, kind of made up a new word to express the the action of kindness, of showing kindness. But it's closely related to other words that are in the New Testament extensively, the the noun and adjective forms of of kindness. They're they're translated a variety of ways, things like mild, pleasant, kind, good, goodness, friendliness. Oftentimes, kindness is connected with goodness. Sometimes people make a distinction between kindness as more of the disposition that you have towards someone, how you view them with kindness, and goodness more the expression of that uh, kindness, of, of that goodness towards them. But obviously Paul here is using, he, he's using a verb. All these are action words to highlight the fact that kindness is not simply an attitude towards others. It is that, but it's more than that. It's to be actively demonstrated to them. I want to read a couple of, of ways that some authors have described and summarized the biblical idea of kindness. One writer observes that the word suggests the warm, generous welcome the Christian always gives his brothers, does his utmost to be thoughtful, helpful, and kind, always in a pleasant way, and confirms the element of magnanimity in agape love, the word that's used for love here. Another writer, Origen, expounds the verb as showing sweetness to all persons. John MacArthur defines kindness as a tender, gentle concern for others that actively seeks out ways to serve them. It's a a care for others, a a, a concern for them, maybe because of of the, the hurt that they're facing or the need that they have, that leads to actively seeking ways to do good to them, to serve and bless them. 
We're, we're going to flesh that out a little more as we see what the Bible teaches about this and, and the expressions of it. But I want us to, to think, secondly, about why we should show kindness to others. Why does this matter? Why should we all walk out of here tonight saying, man, this evening as I pick up my kids in the children's building, as I go home tomorrow, whatever I've got, I want to be kind. Well, one reason is certainly because it's commanded of us as Christians. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearting, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is not a virtue that is optional. It's not something we can say, well, sometimes I feel that way and sometimes I don't, and that's okay. No, the reality is this is a command that we as Christians if you are a follower of Christ, should be committed to being kind. Now, you understand, God doesn't give us commands just to see if we'll do them. You know, he, he doesn't just give us arbitrary things just to say, man, I wonder if they'd really do that. You might do that with your, your kids sometimes just to see how they respond. God's not like that. He, he gives commands that are for our good, that flow from his wisdom, so being kind is good. It's, it's right. It's how we should function. It brings blessing to us and to others. And his commands reflect his character, which leads us to a second reason we should show, show kindness to others, which is because of God's kindness towards us. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 describes how we are to respond to our enemies Luke chapter 6, the end of the chapter, Jesus is a, a, a summary of, of one of his sermons in verse 35. He's expounding on the idea of love that he introduced a couple of verses before. And, and he, says that, uh, he says in verse 35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And I want you to notice this, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. One of the things that is true of God is that he is kind. And he's not just kind in, in the context, he's not just kind to those who reciprocate. He doesn't do good to those who do good in return. He is kind to those who are evil and ungrateful. And so he says our attitude should be the same. We should also do good to those who are our enemies in the same way that God does good to his enemies. And notice he says when you do this, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. You see, if, if you are the son of someone, you probably bear some family resemblance to them. Some of you in this room have met my dad. He lives in Missouri. He visits every uh, uh, three or four months. And if you see him, even if you don't know he's my dad, you will probably think to yourself, I think that's maybe Jonathan's dad. Because we look similarly and we have similar mannerisms. And, and I, I go with my father because I'm his son. I, I bear that family resemblance. Most of you can can recognize that about yourself. There's a number of father-son combos in this room who attend Countryside, and if we stuck you next to each other, we'd probably all say, yeah, I see that. You go together. That's what his, his point is here, is, is to say you are like 
God, you are bearing family resemblance to God, your Father, when you display kindness to those who are your enemies because that's characteristic of your Father. That's how God treats people. He is kind to them. We see elsewhere, how does God do this? Well, he shows common grace to all mankind. Elsewhere, it says things like God causes the the sun to rise and the rain to fall and both the just and the unjust. God does good to people who are wicked in our world. They enjoy the blessings of life and provision of life in many ways because God is kind to them. And God does that because it's his character and he does that especially for sinners through the gospel Romans 2 4 says do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance he's saying it's not it's not necessarily the the threat of judgment from God that leads sinners to repentance it's the kindness it's the mercy of God the grace of God that leads them to repentance How has this kindness of God been displayed? Well, all kinds of ways, but chiefly in Christ. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 describes our wickedness before the Lord. It says in verse 3, We also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, Hateful, hating one another. That's all of us. That's our testimony before we were in Christ. We were foolish. We were self-centered. We were disobedient. We were enslaved to all kinds of sinful desires and passions. And we lived for ourselves. But notice verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. When Christ, the Messiah, who in this passage is described as the kindness of God, it was because God is kind that Jesus came as the Savior. When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You see, God has demonstrated his kindness chiefly through the gift of his son who has met our greatest need, that of salvation and forgiveness through Christ. 1 Peter 2.3 reminds us that we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so it is right that we show kindness to others, those who are kind to us and those who are not. Because that is consistent with the character of God, and it's how God has treated us. One commentator writes this, At the heart of Christian kindness will be a reflection of what the kindness of God and of Jesus Christ looks like. Certainly this will involve mercy, forgiveness, and compassion. We should be eager to be kind to others because God has been kind to us. A third motivation is because of our love for others because of our love for others what does this verse remind us it says love is kind true kindness is an expression of love without love when people do good to others or are kind to them the the bible says it's more like i'll scratch 
your back if you scratch mine. It's more, I'll do good to you so that I get something in return, or I'll, be, I'll do good to you if you've done something good to me. But biblical love that is responding to the gospel that is produced by the Spirit of God is an unconditional, selfless giving of oneself for others. And if you have that kind of love, when we think that way about others, it produces kindness. If you are not treating people with kindness, it's not just that you're in a bad mood. It's not just that you're weary and tired. It's that you are not demonstrating love for them, which generally means an elevated love of self or a a selfishness. We're called to be kind because of our, our love for others. We are called to be that. We should desire to be that. But how do we grow to be more consistent in that? How do we grow so that it's not just random acts of kindness every now and then that show up in our life, but a consistent pattern of kindness demonstrated to others? Well, Galatians 5.22 reminds us that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's produced by the Spirit of God as He transforms believers into the image of Christ. But that doesn't happen biblically by accident. It doesn't happen as we just sit idly on the couch and the Spirit produces this fruit. It's an active thing that we participate in, seeking to cultivate kindness. So let's thirdly consider the cultivation of kindness. What do we need to do? How do we need to think? How do we need to be renewed in our mind and life in order to see more consistent patterns of kindness? Well, it begins first with a disposition of concern for others. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 puts it this way. It says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, We are transformed into the character that we are called to display, including kindness, as we put on a different way of thinking and a different heart attitude. Now that requires, if we rewind in Colossians 3, putting off the wrong attitude and the wrong actions and renewing our mind, changing how we think so that we will instead think and respond according to God's character and God's word. So we are to renew our mind and and cultivate thinking that is focused not on ourselves, but on concern for others. This means putting off the self-centeredness that's so easily characteristic of all of us, which is just a focus on me. And that doesn't mean it's always a a self-centeredness that's like, ha ha, how can I get everything I want? Sometimes it's just as we go through life, we tend to think about and focus on and care about who? Us, right? But the scriptures say we have to actively cultivate a different mindset. Philippians 2, 3, and 5, 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't look out for himself. As he lived on this earth, he he wasn't constantly going around thinking, what would be the best or most comfortable thing for me? 
He was thinking, how do I live for others? That's what ultimately led him to the cross. It was a, a selfless love for others. And this passage says we should put that attitude on ourselves, not merely looking out for us, but thinking about others in humility. We need to recognize that we are to humbly consider others more important than ourselves, thinking about them. The, the reality is other people and ourselves all need help. We all need encouragement. We all need others to come alongside of us. And this attitude starts by saying, I, I want to cultivate a disposition that is concerned for, that cares about other people that are around me. One author put it this way, kindness recognizes that everyone carries a heavy load. Just that mindset that says, man, other people are dealing with things and they're struggling with things and they, they have life weighing in on them and I want to be a blessing towards them. This was Jesus' disposition towards others. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, it says, he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. That's actually the word for kind. It's my, my yoke is, is light, it's easy, it's pleasant, it's kind, and my burden is light. You see, Jesus was viewing others as weary and burdened, and he said, I want to lighten that load. Now, chiefly, what he means by that is he was offering them salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and in himself. There is no, no burden that we have to bear in salvation. Christ has done it all. But it's that disposition towards sinners that was one of compassion and mercy, of understanding their weakness, and, and being eager to, to be uh, of concern and help for them. So we should have a disposition of concern for others, not a self-centered perspective, that says it's all about me and all I care about is me. Not an isolationist perspective that says, I know there's people out there who need help and need stuff, but you know, I'm just kind of going to insulate myself from that. Not a, not a, a they-are-getting-what-they-deserve perspective that sees the hurt and challenges of others and says you know, it's their problem and their fault, but a heart of compassion and kindness. And the reality is when you cultivate this disposition, Renewing your mind to remind yourself of how God has treated you and how he calls us to think of others, that will lead to, secondly, an awareness of the needs in others. Jesus again modeled this. He saw people and he saw their needs. He, he was aware of people in his world. Matthew 9, 36 says Jesus, uh, of Jesus it says, seeing the people. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people. Why? Because he was compassionate and kind. He was looking for the needs of others. He wasn't just focused on himself. He didn't see people like we sometimes see people. Like, yeah, there's a mass of people. I see people. But he saw them and their needs. And he was aware of and paying attention to those needs. In this case, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. He says, we see the need. Pray that God will raise up those who can help to meet the need. 
But you see, this compassion, this disposition of kindness leads you to start noticing people. Maybe it's when you get home from work as a husband and, and you notice that your wife is tired and, and weary from the day that she had, or vice versa. The wife notices when her husband comes in and something's bothering him because we, we're, we're concerned not just about ourselves but about others. Maybe it, it helps you to see your, your kids when they're exasperated from something going on in their life or they're struggling with frustration over something maybe that's a little bit above their, their age level that they're struggling to do but they really want to do or, or some situation with a friend or at school. You know, maybe you, you start to notice people like the cashier who's worn out at the end of their shift and, and struggling to even smile and, and uh, treat people, greet people with kindness because of things going on in her day or her world. Because you care and you're paying attention, you see people. And then this kindness manifests in a commitment to speak or act on behalf of others. It's not just, okay, I care about people, I see somebody, and yeah, I don't think I can do anything about that. No, we, we respond to the degree that we can with a commitment to speak or act on behalf of others. That's really Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 is that this is a dynamic action we are love shows kindness it's not just a a static adjective kind it's it's about responding maybe through our words Ephesians 4 29 says let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it will give grace to those who hear our speech is to meet the need of the moment, to give grace to others, to build them up, not tear them down. Maybe it's through our actions, through the deeds that we do, doing good to others. What does this look like? Let's think of just briefly about the various contexts of life and consider fourthly the expressions of kindness. Think first in the home. Again, just want you to walk back through those three elements as we seek to cultivate kindness, the, the disposition of concern, I care about others, the awareness of needs, therefore I'm looking to see how I can be a blessing to others, and a commitment to speak or act on behalf of others. So in the home, you, you have a care and concern for your children, for your spouse, and you are therefore looking to be aware of the different needs that are there. Again, maybe it's with your kids and you sense the See the need to, to just spend some time with them, to play with them, or to help them with something. Your spouse, the, the need to, to talk through something, or, or to help with something around the house, or, or to interact about an issue that's come up with one or more of your children. And you have a commitment not only to see that and say, oh, that's kind of overwhelming, but to act on it, to, to genuinely seek to meet those needs. And so you sit down and you talk, or you help pick things up, or you you wash some dishes or, or you do any number of things that are, are doing good to those in your home. Think about in the, in the church. What does this look like? It means when you, you, you cultivate, again, that disposition of concern. So walking in a church, you're not just focused on you, 
You're not just thinking about you and your day and, and the things going on for you, but you're thinking, you know, I wonder who I'll have the opportunity to bless or encourage or help today. And so as you walk around and as you interact with people, you're thinking not just about, man, how do I, how do I get my kids into class so I can find a seat, but how do I bless and encourage the person in line behind me and maybe the Sunday school teacher that I'm dropping my kids off with, or, or I know that greeter's going to say hi to me, but how do I encourage them and bless them and And so you're looking for those opportunities and aware of those needs. Maybe you see somebody who's sitting by themselves, and and so rather than just going through your normal routine, you go and intentionally introduce yourself and, and sit by them and show genuine interest in them. And that may lead to an opportunity to do good to them. Maybe a a follow up text uh, that week or some help in a tangible way or inviting them to some upcoming event. Think about in the, in the world, we're not just to do good and, and to be kind in our families and, and to fellow believers, but to all people. Again, think of that disposition of concern. You focus on others, not just yourself. And so when you walk into that grocery store, you sit at that restaurant, or you walk into your work, or you take that seat on the airplane, you're not just thinking about you. You're thinking about the people that God and His providence will bring across your paths and and you're looking for those needs and, and committed to speak and act on behalf of others. Maybe it's simple like holding a door for someone or helping someone in the parking lot load their groceries or engaging in a conversation to, to uh, connect with somebody and ultimately hope to share the gospel with them. Now the reality is you cannot meet every need of every person, right? You and I don't need to feel the burden of being all things to all people in all contexts that we interact. But you can be faithful to be kind. You can be faithful to care about people, to see their needs and to strive to meet those needs as a reflection of God's character. And you can trust God's providence. You know, who you talk to on a a Sunday morning or at foundations, God can direct the opportunities that you have simply through His providence as you interact with people. You know, you can... um, Maintain God's priorities as well. I love Galatians 6, chapter, or verse 9 and 10. It says this, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good. It's easy to do that, isn't it? It's easy to grow weary of, of the needs of others and, and kind of just want to recenter on ourselves and say, I, I just want to care about me for a little while. And he says, Don't lose heart. Keep doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, there are priorities of relationships in our life. You, you start with your family, and the priority of loving your wife, your husband, your kids well, and, and then the church, the other believers in your life. You do good to them, and you show kindness to them. But he says, let us do good to all people as well, especially those of the household of faith. So, Everybody that we interact with is an opportunity for us to be kind. We are to be growing in kindness. Well, let's think briefly, lastly, what about our kids? Let's think about the expansion of kindness with our kids. How do you cultivate kindness in your home? You know, this is a a challenge. My uh, wife and I um, have five girls, as many of you know. Our oldest is 21. Our youngest is 14. I wish I could tell you that if you just do a good job when they're like zero to five, you will see a consistent pattern of kindness in all the relationships in your home after that. But we still talk a lot about kindness. 
about simple kindness in our words and, and being willing to share and not demanding what we want and, and, and those sorts of things. But we are to be intentional to try to teach our kids about kindness, to see them be kind. How do we do that? It starts just like any other thing, teaching them about God's kindness. Teach them about God's kindness. Teach them both that we should be kind, but also teach them about God's character and His kindness. You teach them about the gospel, about how God does good to those who, who don't deserve it, and that includes us. How He does good to all people, even His enemies, and He has done good to us. He's been kind by sending the expression of His kindness in the person of Jesus Christ. And if God so treats us that way, we ought to treat others that way as well. Secondly, model kindness in your interactions with them and with others. You ever treat your kids unkindly because they treated their sibling unkindly? Or is that just me? <laughs> you know, they're unkind and I get frustrated at their consistent selfishness and I, I respond in a way that was not kind to them. And it's like, ah, I've only like reinforced that this is how we function and interact. Now, model kindness in your interactions with them, even when it's hard, even when you think they are my enemy right now. Do good to them. Treat them with kindness. Doesn't mean you don't correct and discipline and all of those things, but model kindness in your interactions with them and with others. You know, you may be tempted to think, well, if I'm kind to them all the time, they'll just be kind of lazy and self-centered. They may be. They're sinful people, but they will see the joy of being uh, uh, consistently living in accordance with God's character and the blessing that that is to others. Model kindness in your interactions with them and with others. See, train them to treat others with kindness. You know, a huge part of our parenting is using the authority that God has given us to train our children. As Joe mentioned, we want to be careful that it's not just behavior modification, but it's not wrong of us to instruct and discipline our kids so that they do what God calls them to do and they're learning what that looks like. We need to help them to have a, a disposition of concern for others. Do they, do they think about others? You know, when they run to the car and they jump in the seat that they want, you know, cackling all the way that they beat their siblings to that, that seat, you know, hey, did you, did you think at all about, about your sibling and about what would be helpful for them and what they might desire in this? Helping them to think about the, uh, an awareness of needs, you know, looking out for others. What do you think they would enjoy? You know, where do we want to go out to eat? And everybody says their favorite restaurant and, and encourage them, hey, what do you think your sister or your mom would enjoy eating tonight? And a commitment to speak and act on behalf of others you can instruct your kids. You can command your kids to do something kind. You can tell them you need to, to share that with your sibling. You need to go help them pick up something. And, uh, but I didn't make that. No, you didn't make that mess. But you get to serve and bless them and be a help to them. You can use your authority to help train them in what kindness looks like. Now, are we content with our kids gritting their teeth and going and doing outward random acts of kindness no we want their heart to be in it we want them to love Christ and love others and so fourthly pray that God will transform their hearts to genuinely love him and others you share the gospel with your kids and you pray God 
Help them not to just go through the motions of kindness. Help them not to just scratch other people's back so that their back gets scratched occasionally too. Help them to learn that this is an expression of your character and to love serving others because you have been gracious to them. That's a work we can't do as parents, but we can pray that God would graciously do that work in their hearts. So love is kind. God has demonstrated his love toward us and his kindness towards us. How do you know God loves you? Because the kindness of God appeared. Because he has met our most significant of needs and he does good to those who even his enemies May we reflect our Father. May we be, bear resemblance to our Father, showing kindness to others, cultivating that mentality of concern for others that looks for the opportunities and looks for the needs and then treating people actively in what we say and what we do with an intentional desire to bless and care for them. Love is kind. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your kindness towards us. We are humbled by the fact that you have done good to us in lavish mercy when we deserved only the opposite. Lord, I pray that that would be our attitude towards others. Help us to renew our minds to that end, to to care more about others than ourselves, not to just go through each day, moment by moment, thinking about us, but help us to have eyes to see others as you did when you were on this earth. And help us, Lord, not only to see others, but to be committed to doing what we can to be a blessing to them, to treat them with kindness in both our words, speaking encouraging, edifying words, and our deeds, doing good to all. Let us not not grow weary in that, Lord, but may we demonstrate your kindness. We thank you for your word, for the way that it instructs us both in in how we are to live, and it equips us to do so, and and motivates that as well. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.